All right. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Oi with the Terror Already. I'm one of your hosts, Sandra. I'm your other host, Danielle. We're back from our break. We are from our one week off. We were just talking about how the website we used, it looks very different and we're slightly confused by it, but yeah, as long as it works, that's all that matters. Uh, yeah, we're gone for a week and everything changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is why we usually don't. Well, we try to. Try to take time off occasionally. But I do have to say that having, we're recording today and we're recording tomorrow and it kind of forced me to think of like oh what type of story can i do to like maybe doing a two-parter mm-hmm. which i've always wanted to do but i never thought of a good like topic yeah it kind of has to be like long enough like you need enough detail to split it up that way so us recording like within a day i like found a topic that could work as a two-parter so i'm excited yeah to do but, but, and I think you said you found shorter stories or something. Yeah. But. Also, the reason why we're recording two episodes is because now I'm going on vacation. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't been on vacation since December, so I'm very excited. So that's why we're, Danielle's being lovely and we're recording two episodes this week. I mean, so <laughs> recording like in a day is better than having to edit like, in a shorter amount of time so exactly <laughs> it's not a big deal yes but i'm glad you can finally go on a vacation i know me too um and also the reason why is part of my oi so i guess i can just if you want me to i can just hop into that sure all right so my oi is I gave my two weeks notice at my current job and I'm going to another job um, in about two weeks. So I'm taking a week off in between to have a little vacation and a break because I, I need it. So my oi is really just telling my boss and her boss my notice, which did not go over that well. Um, just very, it's always awkward giving your notice, especially like virtually because I had to do it via Teams. So I wasn't in person. But it was also a four-minute conversation, and there was literally two minutes of silence because nobody knew what to say, and I think that they were just shocked. That makes more sense, though, because initially when you told me I thought it was in person, when you said two minutes of silence, I was like, so you were literally standing (laughs) for two minutes. But when you just said teams, now I'm like, okay, that can explain awkward silence more. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was just super, super awkward. And as it always is giving notice, like it's never fun. Um, especially when your boss is shocked that you're leaving and is like, oh shit, I have to reconfigure a ton of stuff. So yeah, so that was, it's my way of just the whole adventure of having to give your notice and freaking out about it and then doing it and then trying to wrap everything up before you leave. It's just a lot sometimes, so Mm-hmm. But still a better situation than being like laid off at least. Yeah. yeah. Can still be awkward. Yeah. I feel like that's worse. Because you, at least when I've been laid off, I didn't know it was coming. Mm-hmm. So it was like, oh. In a way, you fired your boss. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd rather get <laughs> out on my terms than theirs. So. Yeah. You know, 
And I, I'm being like really like nice. I'm making sure that everything we have is like ordered and the office mm-hmm. is organized and there's a binder of like what to do for the next person. So I'm trying to like leave on like a good note, so to speak. Yeah. And it's a, in a way it's better, I feel like, to leave a company when you've been there for a shorter amount of time mm-hmm. than like you don't really seem like disloyal or whatever exactly. if you haven't been there too long. So sometimes it's easier to get out earlier. Yeah. So, but a lot of people are like happy for me for leaving because they knew I wasn't happy or they're like, oh, we're going to miss you. So it's mm-hmm. definitely been like a weird, a weird week. It's like, oh yeah, this is, I'll probably never see you again because they don't really come into the office. A lot of them are still remote. So when they do come in, they're like, oh yeah, like it's the last time I'm going to see you. And I'm like, yeah, like good luck with everything. They're mm-hmm. also working on Saturday. So glad I'm, hmm. I'm not. So mm. getting out. Is it a busy accounting period now? Yeah, because there's taxes that are due September 15th, oh, okay. September 30th, and then October 15th. And that's when everything needs to be due. You can't extend it past October 15th. Mm-hmm. So they ha- I guess, like, I don't know if it's admin as well, but the accountants definitely have to work on Saturday, which sucks. Um, and I don't think they've had to do that in the past. So I guess they're just really behind. You won't have to work on Saturdays anymore. No, for like the first time ever, because it's either I've done like this, like accounting, or I've done like higher ed where we have to work on like Saturdays for like move-in day and mm. stuff, or just events, mm-hmm. which suck. I hate working on Saturdays. Yeah, that's sad. Especially if you're in higher ed and they don't give you anything for it. Mm, like yeah. You get free pizza and you're like, great. Sucks. I don't even get like extra money. I don't get like a comp day. I just get pizza. Thanks. Oh, you just actually you saying that made me think of my boy. Oh, what is it? I could do. <laughs> oh boy. It's a yeah. I guess it's it's definitely more of an ooh than an oi. Mm-hmm. Or no, no, it's more of an oi than an ooh. So my company, I think I told you that. Uh, so we moved a month ago or something to this new location yeah and basically it's been pretty like lackluster they're like uh, welcome to the new office like there hasn't really been that vibe it's basically been like very rushed like trying to figure out everything with I don't know moving into a new place like mm-hmm. it's been very like all hands on deck everyone has to help out and with things they wouldn't normally like there hasn't really been a like yay celebratory moment at all. Mm-hmm. So like now it seems like they're kind of trying to make more of an effort. So at like I don't know uh, Wednesday at like two or three p.m. we all get an email like from the CFO like oh I'm gonna it's like the subject line is BYOF and it's bring your own food oh, and apparently God. they. <laughs> They bought a grill and we're going to, the CFO was going to grill us food for lunch, but only if you brought your own food for them to grill it. What if you're a vegetarian or like a (laughs) vegan? I mean, it didn't specify what you could buy, but it said if you bring something to grill, I'll grill it. It basically was the gist of the email and I was like, oh my god. So it's like, is this supposed to be like a nice, like, 
I don't know, gift or something or a nice gesture from the company? Or is it just like the CFO wanted to grill and he was just offering? Like, what what does this mean? I have never heard of a CFO offering to grill (laughs) anything ever for anybody. So like weird, and I was just like, I'm just gonna bring in leftovers. Like, I'm not gonna go out to buy grilling stuff to bring in. Like, that sounds crazy. And then I was almost like, like, are people supposed to be talking to their departments? Like, oh, like, are we supposed to be coordinating this? Like, that was basically the whole email. It's just like, bring in food, I'll cook it, I'll be here at noon. Like. Oh, and then something about they're, like, trying to get picnic tables, because at this point there's no area for people to sit or anything outside. So, yeah. So, so I have, like, zero expectations when I go to work the next day. Like, And when is this? Is it this week? This, so this was on Thursday of last week. Um... So I bring in my food and then I realize that it like went bad. So I had to throw it out. So I'm like, okay, fine. I'll go to this weird, like find out what this like grill situation is. So I go outside and it's like the CFO and like another person and then like other employees. And they're basically standing around the grill and there's like a little like, folding table and like no chairs and I'm just like oh my god (laughs) like I don't know it just seems so awkward like there I don't think there's any music or anything it's just like these like six seven guys out there near the grill and I went out with one of my coworkers, so she kind of like quickly grabbed food and then basically like went back inside the building and I I got a hamburger. I was like, okay, this is fine. Apparently there was supposed to be chicken, but they only got like two pieces worth. So the options were a hot dog or a hamburger. I mean, that does sound like a typical like summer grilling hot dogs, hamburgers, chicken. So I guess I should have been happy that they even like, apparently someone ran out that morning to get enough like hamburgers and stuff for everyone. So... Yep. Wow, that is amazing. I again <laughs> never, I've never heard a CFO just be like, "I'm gonna grill, bring food." That's kind of funny, but no actual planning, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they definitely need some kind of like party planning people. Like, I know. Well, it's, it kind of reminds me of any like thing that guys try to plan to make nice. Like they're like. If guys try to plan a party or, like, try to coordinate, like, a company lunch. Like, people that don't really have experience with planning these things. And they're like, this is fine, right? Hey, as long as you guys didn't walk away with, like, food poisoning. Yeah. It tasted fine. So. And I was like, well, at least this happened on a day where I threw, like, I had to throw my lunch out and I happened to be cooking. So. Yeah. But. (laughs) It was it was funny. I'm not gonna lie, that like totally made my day. So thank you, because <laughs> that is just like, and I and I thought having to order like pizza for my firm was bad, but nope. <laughs> the idea of having to grill for these people is like a hard no. It's a hard pass. 
Yeah, I think he was doing it for around an hour, maybe longer, I'm not sure. And then near the end, they were trying to, like, get rid of four or five burgers. So, like, there was a guy in line behind me, and they were like, are you sure you don't want more? And they were, like, trying to pressure him into eating, like, two or three of them. And it's like, let me see how, like, one goes. Yeah. And then I may come back. The guy looked kind of scared, so I don't know what ended up happening. That's still, you know, credit credit for them for trying to be different and doing something. And I guess it's better than the sandwich story. So <laughs> <laughs> they're trying. They're getting. They're they're going in the right direction. I guess the main thing is having the right number of like the quantity to make sure you have enough food. I guess yeah. that would be like the worst thing to happen. Yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. I guess I will get into it. So I've actually never heard of this. And this is what happens when I just search like for random folklore, like in the US. So this week I'm talking about the hairy man of Fergus Trails. Don't know if you've heard of that. Nope. Okay. (laughs) Similar to like it. I got like Bigfoot vibes kind of. Um, so basically, Vergas is a small town that's located in the Ottertail con- County in West Central Minnesota. And it's a very, very small town. There's only about 300 people that live in the town. Um, and it's also apparently home to the world's largest loon, yeah. uh, which for anybody that's interested is actually a 20-foot high sculpture. Um, but it's also home to basically like the I guess it's described as like the minimum maintenance roads of Fergus trails and the hairy man legend um so essentially for the past six decades this urban legend has been floating around the area supposedly the hairy man of Fergus trail is described as being eight feet tall having long and straggly hair kind of having a musty smell and always barefoot he was blamed for the death of animals around that area. And there are claims of his existence that started back in the 1960s and then peaked in the 1970s. And then by the 1980s, they kind of tapered off. Um, Some people and the families in that area say that it is a legend. Others claim that it may have been an old hermit who was living in the woods at the time that wasn't keen on the kids wandering his land. So he would like kind of pop out to try to scare them off. There have been a few encounters with the Hairy Man of Vergus Trail, and the most famous encounter uh, was by a man named Ken Zitzow. He was returning from a drive in the woods one night, and I guess he had dents in his car hood, and he claimed it was from the Hairy Man jumping out in front of the vehicle and then pounding on his car. There was also another encounter that came from Cheryl Hansen, who claimed to have seen the Hairy Man as a kid. Cheryl explained that they were snowmobiling around the area of where I guess this old cabin was found. And then all of a sudden a beast-like creature popped out of the cabin that was, and was holding a huge stick. It had very broad shoulders and they were trying to rationalize what it was. But the only thing that really stood out to her uh, was that they were, whatever this was, was barefoot in the snow. And she says that she knows whatever she saw that day wasn't human. 
Um, they once found a human-like skull discovered on the trail by a private citizen, and that was found in an area known as the Klondike or the Old Vargas Trails, where most of the hairy man sightings had occurred. They didn't turn it over to authorities, though, so no one knows if it was man, animal, or maybe a combination. Uh, the show Sci-Fi's Haunted Highways even featured this urban legend in 2012, in a 2012 episode, but at the end of the show, they didn't actually have enough evidence to claim that the hairy man was real or not. Uh, you can see that episode on YouTube. So, yeah, so like I said, very short, but I thought it was kind of interesting, and it did kind of remind me of, like, Bigfoot. So it was almost like another Bigfoot is running around Minnesota, which I wouldn't really be surprised. I also wouldn't be surprised if it was actually Bigfoot and people thought it was, like, something else. So, but again, I also just randomly found it. So I'm curious to see if anybody who lives in Minnesota like knows of it or maybe knows a little bit more because I couldn't find too, too much on the internet. What is it called again? The Hairy Man of Vergus Trails. Mm -hmm. Kind of reminds me also of like maybe like an ape-like creature. So like maybe at one point like an ape or something like escaped and was like wandering the woods and then left. I don't know. But that's kind of what it reminded me of. Mm-hmm. So. Didn't you do like a werewolf story before? Probably. The French one? Or we talked about it. It reminds Maybe. me of that too, where like someone thinks they saw it's either like a big animal or like some crazy guy or something. And then it just like builds and builds. Yeah, I feel like it's just a really common theme throughout the states and then throughout, like, the countries to have these stories of, like, but I saw this, like, animal-type creature in the woods, and I thought it might have been, like, Bigfoot or the Hairy Man or whatever, but it was really, like, something else. Um, Mm -hmm. I just feel like there's a lot of stories of mistaken identity, but considering this has been seen as far back as, like, the 60s, like, it could have been, like, um, you know, like, a a hermit Mm -hmm. or, like, a homeless man or whatever trying to like scare kids or whatever but it could have also been like a creature um so yeah it's interesting how in a lot of folklore it's a lot of like mistaken identity where it's like today like maybe we would have known more but back then like we didn't also it's really creepy and i think you stepped away at one point where they found like a skull but they didn't turn it over to authorities so they don't know if it was like a human skull a animal oh, skull yeah. or like something and i was like that's it's not okay. You should have turned that over to authorities because that could have been like a human skull. Um, so that may have shed some more light on what's wandering that tr- specific trail. Mm-hmm. So if anybody finds skulls in the woods, please turn them over to authorities. <laughs> Little PSA there. You haven't done like zombies yet. No, I was thinking about doing zombies and then I was just like, I feel like zombies are hard. Like, I feel like a lot of, like, the big topics are, like, might take, like, more than one episode. Like, it's hard to condense it down. Yeah. Yeah, that's, like, another reason. Like, there are some stories that are good for having multiple episodes or parts. Well, I want to do that, um, the Salem Witch Trials for Halloween and divide Mm -hmm. that into, like, the four parts. Like, the four weeks or I think there's four weeks in October. There might be five. Mm -hmm. I think there's four. And do, like, that, like, over a four-week, like, period. So, but that I'm going to have to start preparing for, like, September. So, like, this month. Hmm. Okay. So, that's my plan for October, but. Mm 
Oh yeah, I forgot to send a photo. I didn't send one because I thought if I would, you would be like, oh, you're doing Bigfoot. It's like, no. Because <laughs> they all look like Bigfoot. Yeah, this one I've never heard of before. So it seems like there are a lot of like lesser known legends, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you look hard enough, you can you can find them. Um, so if I had sent you a hint, it would be a lady, a photo of a lady in her, like, 50s or 60s. Like an old lady? Or, like, a lady from the 50s or 60s? The photo would have probably been from the 70s or 80s, and okay. she would have been in her 50s, 50s or 60s. Okay. Yeah, I probably wouldn't have gotten it. <laughs> so, I haven't done, like, a, I feel like I haven't done a kind of lady villain type character in a while so <laughs> i was pretty excited about this so this is part one of the story of griselda blanco she has a few different like monikers she's also known as the godmother queen of cocaine and the black widow Okay, this sounds familiar. The Queen of Cocaine, for some reason, is ringing a bell, and I don't know why. Yeah, I mean, she's, like, a really interesting character, so they probably, I think they, I saw they made it into a show or movie, um, like, about her life. So, she trafficked cocaine and was thought to have committed more than 200 murders, so she was a pretty violent person. Uh, during the 1980s, she became known as one of Miami's most feared drug lords. She entered the cocaine trade in the early 1970s. She was so powerful that to put things into perspective, Pablo Escobar was one of the biggest drug kingpins of the 80s. And Griselda uh, was known as the biggest queenpin. And apparently he was also her protege. So he like, she introduced him into like trafficking cocaine. Um, but I feel like most people probably know the name Pablo Escobar over Griselda Blanco. He's just like, I don't know, maybe because she's a lady or something. But I just feel like his name seems bigger. Some claim he was her protege, but others claim that they were actually enemies. But apparently it wasn't known 100%. So Griselda Blanco first made a name for herself as a trafficker in the early 1970s. She rose to power in the 80s and became a major player in the Miami drug wars. She made numerous enemies in Colombia and the United States. She didn't back down from using violence to prove a point. She built a reputation of being one of the deadliest women in the Colombian cocaine trade. Griselda's organized attacks ranged from drive-by shootings at malls to home invasions. She was responsible for more than 200 murders, potentially up to 2,000. She instilled fear in the hearts of many men. According to Nelson Abreu, a former ho homicide detective in the documentary Cocaine Cowboys, quote, Griselda was worse than any of the men that were involved in the drug trade, end quote. She also developed a taste for the finer things in life and bought a mansion on Miami Beach. She purchased Ava Perón's diamonds, um, who was Argentina's former first lady. 
And she also had a fortune worth billions of dollars. So Griselda Blanco was born in 1943 in Santa Marta, Colombia. She was raised in poverty and her life of crime started at an early age. When she was 11 years old, she kidnapped a 10-year-old boy and shot and killed him after his parents did not pay a ransom. She left her home after facing physical abuse and soon she soon survived on the streets of not sure how this is pronounced. I looked it up. It's in Colombia. It's uh, apparently in this video on YouTube. It's pronounced Medellin, um, where she survived by pickpocketing and selling her body. So when she turned 13, she shifted and got into bigger crimes. And she met and married Carlos Trujillo, a smuggler of undocumented immigrants into the United States. They had three sons together, but the marriage did not last. She would actually have her husband killed in the 1970s, and this trend would repeat with her following two husbands. Griselda's second husband, Alberto Bravo, introduced her to the cocaine trade. They moved to Queens, New York in the 1970s, where their business exploded. At that time, the Italian mafia were mainly controlling the cocaine trade. But because Griselda and her husband had direct lines to Colombia, they were able to control a hefty portion of the business. It was around this time she developed the nickname The Godmother. Griselda discovered a sneaky way to get cocaine into New York without getting discovered. She would sew special like compartments, I guess, in her bras and underwear and would hide the white powder in that and would, I guess, never get caught for, for it. So Alberto traveled back to Colombia to restu- restructure the export end, and Griselda worked on expanding their empire in New York. Things took a turn in 1975 when Griselda and her husband were busted by the NYPD and the DEA by a sting named Operation Banshee. The sting was the largest at that time. Griselda managed to escape to Colombia before she could be indicted. She allegedly killed Alberto when she accused him of mishandling millions of dollars. According to legend, Griselda withdrew a pistol from her boots and shot her husband in the face. At the same time, he fired around from his Uzi in her stomach. And for those that don't know about guns, an Uzi is an Israeli submachine gun pistol. But some actually think that it was Pablo Escobar who killed her husband. When Griselda's second husband was killed, she officially earned the title The Black Widow. She now had total control over the drug empire. She continued to ship cocaine to the United States while running her business from Colombia. In 1976, she allegedly smuggled cocaine aboard a ship known as the Gloria, while the Colombian government had, which the Colombian government had sent to America as part of a bicentennial race in the New York Harbor. In 1978, she married her third husband, a bank robber named Dario Sepulveda. She had her fourth son named Michael Corleone, 
And for those that think that name sounds familiar, she actually liked the film franchise, apparently The Godfather, so much that she decided to name her son after Al Pacino's character to live up to her godmother image. She focused her business efforts on Miami, where she became known as the Queen of Cocaine. Griselda was one of the first people to take part in the Miami cocaine trade scene. As a seasoned businesswoman at this time, she worked to get the drug into as many hands as possible. She lived a life of comfort in Miami, and she owned multiple homes, expensive cars, and a private jet. She enjoyed socializing and hosted wild parties where other major drug traders attended. Despite this new lavish lifestyle, Griselda still kept her violent ways and apparently would force men and women to have sex at gunpoint at her parties. She also became addicted to smoking large quantities of unrefined cocaine called bazooka. This did not help with her increasing feelings of paranoia and she was starting to feel pressure an increasing amount of pressure from competitors in Miami. One example was the Medellin cartel. They would transport plane loads of cocaine at a time. So I guess this gave them an advantage over Griselda. And Pablo Escobar, her protege, was actually the founder of that cartel. So then that's the end of the first part. And then the second part, it goes into how that launches basically a like drug war in Miami from 1979 to 1984. So this woman, I'm sorry, I'm still stuck on when she was like 10 <laughs> and she murdered somebody because she didn't get a ransom and like nothing happened with that. Like she was still able to like go and live her life. Yep. So I guess she's a pretty tough lady. Yeah. Oh, Wow. <laughs> And then got married when she was 13, I guess. And she killed her husbands, but not her kids. Is that? Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Wow. That's insane. Yeah, so there definitely should be more movies about her or something, because it's, like, really interesting. (laughs) And the fact that she killed between 200 and, what did you say, like, 2,000 people? Yeah, they're not sure. So. Damn. Mm Mm-hmm. That's insane. She's a gangster. She makes some of the other people you've like talked about look like child's play. Like, yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, I'm definitely curious about part two in the <laughs> drug war because that sounds mm-hmm. like it'll be interesting. I know. And we won't have to wait long. Well, you no. and I. Yeah, you and I. Everybody <laughs> else. The listeners have to wait a week. So tune in next week, everyone, for part two. (laughs) She has so many nicknames. The Godmother, Queen of Cocaine, Black Widow. But there's so many Black Widows, I feel like. Yeah, well, when you said Queen of Cocaine, I was like, wait a minute. That's ringing. That's somewhere. Heard that name somewhere. But still. I could just do, like, Black Widow, like, subgenre of true crime. I feel like so many people have been given that name. Yeah, it's not. I feel like it's, like, not a very unique name anymore. Mm. So. But, yeah, your story can still be a surprise. 
<laughs> well, it's uh, going to be a treat if you're a Harry Potter fan. Oh. So if you are, get excited for next week. Grab a glass of butter beer and settle in for another episode mm-hmm. of Boy with the Terror already. Thanks for everyone for listening to another episode of Boy with the Terror already. We usually release episodes every week, but if we don't, we try to say on social media we aren't, but then sometimes that doesn't happen either. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I realized that too, where I was like, Oops. No. <laughs> oh, that's fine. So you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and everywhere else. You listen to podcasts, you can email us at oywiththeterroralready at gmail.com if you have any story ideas for us. And then our social media is oywiththeterroralready and oywiththeterroralready podcast Mm -hmm. on Instagram and Facebook. And we will see you all next week. Bye.